This past Thursday, most of us gathered together with family and friends, and we gathered to celebrate Christmas. We ate turkey, we ate dressing, we ate all the fixings. We watched parades, we watched football, and then we looked at sale ads. And some of us were brave enough to trek out and go in that crazy mob of people doing some of our Christmas shopping. But as I think back on Thanksgiving Day, I have to ask myself, did we really take time to do the one thing that Thanksgiving is really all about? And that is to give thanks. I'm convinced that that Thanksgiving is, is a quality that is, that is desperately lacking in many of our lives. And yet it is a quality that is desperately needed in most of our lives. You see, thankfulness will keep our focus on God rather than on us. And the Bible is filled with, with examples of, of telling us how we should give thanks. It says, I will praise God's name in song. I will glorify him with thanksgiving. We are told to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We are told to give thanks to him and and praise his name. The apostle Paul told us that we are to give thanks in, in all circumstances, For this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. You see, the Bible tells us that we're not just to thank God for the blessings that he bountifully pours out on us. The Bible says that we are to thank God even for the burdens that we experience in life. We praise God for both. Our blessings and our burdens. Now, now, truth be told, most of us here this morning have a lot more blessings than we do burdens, amen? And some of us may be experiencing terrible burdens right now, but as we look back at our life and we look at how blessed we are to live where we are and to have the life that we have had, most of us are blessed beyond our wildest dreams. I know I am. And so I want you to to just take a moment and think with me about some of the things that we should be thankful for. I mean, when I come into this season from Thanksgiving to Christmas, I I remember that I am thankful for my family. I'm thankful first and foremost for my wife. The Bible says a wife of noble character, who can find? In other words, when you find a good spouse, that is a good thing. And to be perfectly honest with you, men and women, when we find a spouse that loves us and encourages us and challenges us, the Bible says it's not only a good thing, it's something that is to be amazed as we look at. And so if you have a spouse that that is those things, you need to thank God for that. I'm thankful for children. The Bible says that our children are a gift from God. And and I oftentimes say that there are times as I look back at some of the things that my children did that I thought that they were a gag gift. 
And, and yet I think that we would all agree that our children are a gift from God. I can remember as if it were yesterday when our very first child was born, Jonathan, in Hartsville, South Carolina. And after he was born and the doctor let me cut the cord, I held him up and I gave him back to God. And I was just so thankful. I was amazed as I looked at this gift of life that God had blessed Sherry and I with. And then God blessed us with Mary Beth and and Joshua and Matthew. And every time that God blessed us with with these children, I, I, I gave thanks to God because they were this incredible gift to us. And then God topped himself. He blessed us with grandkids. And they're amazing. God blessed us with Graceland and Noah and Azariah and Asher. And and then all of a sudden we got this little prize that that was gifted to us, at least for a short time, Aria. And, and as we look at those kids, we just thank God for them. And then I, I, I have to thank God for my parents. And I know that we have different backgrounds, and, and some of us, our, our, our childhood and, and our parents may not have been the best in the world, but, but let me tell you, they chose life, Amen. They chose to give you life. When I think back at my parents, I think of their unconditional love. I I think about how they, they prayed for me and they always pointed me to Jesus. And when I rebelled, they didn't kill me. So I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for God's word. The Bible says... Paul told Timothy this. He said, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. God's Word points us to Jesus. It says of itself that it is a lamp into our path and it's a light to us. And God's word is a, is a perfect treasure for us, regardless of what our questions may be. God's word gives us answers. And, and we need to thank God for, for his word here in America, don't we? Amen. I mean, we've got access to God's word. Now, about 20 years ago, I was, I was in Russia, and I had the privilege of going there shortly after the the fall of communism in Russia at that time. And, and I was able to preach in schools and, and do a revival. And then I was able to encourage Russian pastors who had been in prison. And, and one of the things that we did while we were there is we went into elementary schools and we passed out Bibles because at that point in time, hardly anyone had Bibles. And, and we gave this small child a Bible. And they looked at the Bible, they that they held it like it was a treasure. They showed it to some other people. And then they brought the Bible back to the missionary that gave it to them. And the missionary said, no, this is yours. See, he thought that he had just been given it to look at. And when he realized that this Bible was his, he held it tight and he held it up so everyone else could see it. And he said, it's mine. 
It's mine. He treasured the Word of God. And yet so many of us have multiple Bibles sitting around our homes that we never, ever even open. And did you know that there are thousands of people groups around the world that don't even have the printed Bible in their language? They, they don't have the privilege of, of picking up the Bible, open it, reading it in their language. And yet we do. So thankful for God's word. I'm thankful that God has promised to meet my needs. God says that he will meet all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. And sometimes we read that passage and we we think, what does that mean? Well, it means that God promises to meet all our needs, period. He promises to meet our needs. He promises to meet our our physical needs. And and some of you, I, I don't know, some of you may be facing cancer right now, someone you love may be terminally ill, and, and you're thinking to yourself, how is God meeting their physical needs? And I don't have all the answers, but I am here to tell you that I believe with all my heart God meets our physical needs, and, and ultimately, in the end, God gives us a, a new body that is free from all sin and all disease and all pain and all suffering. Every morning, I I wake up and my knees hurt and and I have to kind of get them going. And there are things that I can't do now that I could do 10 years ago. And, and I could sit back and moan and groan about that. And yet, I think when I get up and my feet hit the floor in the morning, I can walk. I can, I can still hear, not good. But, but I can still hear. I, I can read with my reading glasses. <laughs> but I can still read. He meets our physical needs. He meets our emotional needs. There are times when I am down. There are times when I am even depressed. But here's what I know. Even in the midst of those times, God is good. Amen. And I think back at David in Psalms 13 when David was at the rock bottom of his life. And he said, how long will you forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will you turn your back on me till I sleep the sleep of death? And yet at the end of that psalm, David said, yet I will praise your name. God meets our emotional needs. God meets our relational needs. And you may think, well, I'm alone right now. No, you're not. Because God said he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. And even when you feel like the whole world has deserted you and left you alone, you are not alone. He meets your financial needs. And you may look at other people and and you may say, well, they have it better than I do. Do you know that there are multiple countries around the world where people are living on less than a dollar a day? A dollar a day. You say, well, it's different there. Can I tell you that you can't live anywhere on a dollar a day and live well? And so we're blessed. God's met our financial needs. He, he promises to meet our needs. 
I'm thankful for my church family. The Apostle Paul told the church at Philippi, every time I think of you, I give thanks. Every morning when I pray. First of all, I, I enter his gates with thanksgiving, his course with praise. Then I take some time to confess and ask God to search me and see if there's any sin in my life that I haven't confessed and got right with him. And then after that, I start praying for needs. And I got to be honest, I don't pray for you first. I pray for my family. Pray for my wife, and then I go to Jonathan and Christy and their children, and, and I go right down the line. I pray for my parents. I pray for my brother. I pray for my wife's sister and their families. I pray for all of our family. And, and then after that, we, we pray for President Barack Obama and Michelle and their family. He's still our president. We pray for Donald Trump and his wife and their family, and God will give him wisdom as he as he appoints a cabinet, we pray for the needs in our, our country. And, and then after we do that, we pray for our church. And, and I don't, I, I've, I've got to be honest, I, I don't pray for you by name every day. But I pray for you if you're part of the Northside family by name. On a frequent basis. And every time I do, let me tell you, I give Thanks for you. You're a blessing to my life. Sometimes you may not feel it, and sometimes I may not show it like I should, but my goodness gracious, I am so blessed to be your pastor. We have a wonderful church filled with people that love Jesus and want to fulfill the Great Commission. And I'm so thankful for you. But I've got to be honest with you. The thing that I'm most thankful for is salvation. When I think of the fact that God saved me when I was a sinner, the Bible says I was his enemy. I was living in rebellion, yet he reached down and poured his love on me and showed me his grace and his mercy. I am beyond thankful for that. Because I got to tell you, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't deserve salvation, it's me. I don't deserve it. And yet God in his mercy gave it to me. I love what David said. In Psalms 118.21, he said, I will give thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. And listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7. He said, what a miserable man I am. Who will save me from this body that brings me death? I thank God for saving me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Do you thank God for saving you from the miserable life that sin brings? That's what God did for me. And if you're saved, that's what God has done for you. Now, I know when we think about salvation, we think about a variety of things. And, and most of us here, we probably think of salvation in this term. God saved me from hell. And praise God he did. I am so thankful that when I die, I'm not worried about spending eternity in hell. But listen, salvation is so much more than that. 
Salvation is not just a fire escape. It's not just fire insurance where when you come to the end of your life, you know that you're not going to hell. It's much more than that. And so as we celebrate communion this morning and as we take the bread and we take the juice and we remember the body and the blood that Jesus gave so that we could be saved, what does that mean? Well, let me give you three things. First of all, salvation means my past has been forgiven. It's been forgiven. In Romans chapter 4 verse 7, it says, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Our transgressions have been forgiven. Our sins have been covered. God said to the prophet Isaiah, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. God blots out our transgressions. He remembers our sins no more. I don't understand how. I don't know the way that God does this, but somehow, some way, When we are saved, our sins are completely erased and God takes them from his memory. God, the all-knowing God, has a selective memory. And he has chosen to forget all of our sins when we are saved through the blood of Jesus. Now, some of us were saved as children. Some of us were saved as teenagers. Some of us were saved as adults. We come from different backgrounds, different situations, different lifestyles. Some of us were brought up in the church. Some of us were brought up never going to church. But here's what I know. If we have been saved, we have been forgiven. And that's something that everybody needs. Everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody. David said this. He said, surely I was sinful at birth. You and I were born sinners. This past week, Cher and I had the opportunity to drive to Nashville and spend a, a several days with our, with our Nashville grandchildren. And, and Asher, our, our youngest granddaughter, is about 14 months old. And I don't normally say this, but she's got to be the smartest 14-month-old in the world. It's crazy. I mean, she's saying stuff. She's repeating stuff. She knows everything we say. I mean, she, and the reason we know this is because she responds. When we say something to her that she wants, she likes, she agrees with, she does what we say. When we say something to her that she doesn't like, she doesn't want, She doesn't do it. This morning, my wife was FaceTiming them. They were up early in in Nashville, and and so she was FaceTiming Noah and Asher. And and whenever FaceTime comes on, Asher has to have the phone. She grabs it, and she's just looking at the phone and, and enjoying it. But she hasn't learned how to share And so Mary said, Asher, give me the phone so Noah can have a turn. And here's what Asher at 14 months does 
when she is told, give me the phone so Noah can have a turn. She turns and she runs. <laughs> the reason we know this is because she has the phone and she's FaceTiming. And so we see this head bobbing back and forth, running from her mama, running from her little brother. Why is she doing that? Because she is a sinner. We all are. We want our way. Amen? We do. And that's not the way God created us. That's the result of sin. And yet, not only are we born sinners, there's a point where each and every one of us choose sin. We decide on our own to go our own way. At 14 months old, we can blame our sin on our nature. At 24 years old, you're going to have to take some responsibility. And we're all sinners by birth. We're sinners by our very choice. Let's be honest. We have stinky attitudes. We say terrible things. We treat people badly at times. We act selfishly. We do things that God has clearly told us not to do. And that's sin. Sin. And our sin is so horrible that it leads to death and it leads to eternal punishment and it separates us from God. But God in his grace has chosen to forgive us of all our sins when we trust in Jesus. Because of my salvation, my past has been forgiven. But that's not all. Because of my salvation, my present has been redeemed. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says, You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. In Romans 6 verse 6 it says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Let me say that again. What did you say, Paul? Paul said, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Now don't miss what Paul was saying there. It's vital. Because of salvation, I am no longer a slave to sin. I no longer have to live in defeat. I no longer have to settle for spiritual mediocrity. Through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, I can have victory. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You see, because of salvation, I don't have to continue to fall to those sins anymore. Does that mean I'm going to be perfect? No, because... Until God gives me a new glorified body, I'm going to have a sinful nature that I continue to wrestle with. And yet at the same time, we've been given a new nature. The Holy Spirit is living in us. And because the Bible says greater is the Holy Spirit in us than the old nature within us, we can live in victory. We can choose victory. There are some of you here this morning that are not experiencing this joy and this benefit of salvation. You are continuing to live as a slave thinking that you have to give in to sin until Jesus comes back. And I'm here to tell you, you don't. 
Jesus died to redeem you from the curse of sin and death. Death in the future. But from the curse of sin, you and I can be redeemed right here and now. The Holy Spirit can give us victory. Because of salvation, my past has been forgiven. Because of salvation, my present has been redeemed. But finally, because of salvation, my future has been secured. Let me read a couple of verses to you in Hebrews 6. It says, God also bound himself with an oath so that those he promised to help would be perfectly sure and never need to wonder whether he might change his plans. He has given us both his promise and his oath, two things we can completely count on, for it is impossible for God to tell a lie. Now, all those who flee to him to save them can take new courage when they hear such assurances from God. Now they can know without doubt that he will give them the salvation he has promised. This certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, connecting us with God himself behind the sacred curtains of salvation. Salvation is secure as the word of God. You see, when I'm saved, I know that I'm going to be saved forever. Regardless of whether I mess up or I blow it or I fail or I stumble, my salvation is secure because God has promised it to me. And yours is secure. When you mess up, God doesn't stop loving you. When you blow it, God doesn't wipe your name out of the book of life. No, he is giving you a salvation that is secure. It is an anchor to your soul. That's why you and I can live risky lives seeking to bring honor and glory to the Lord in everything we do because even when we blow it, we know God's love is covering us. And I'm so thankful for that. And so as we celebrate communion this morning and we think back at the the body that was broken, beaten beyond recognition for us, when we think back of the blood that was spilt on the ground as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, we need to remember that That our salvation isn't just a fire escape keeping us from hell. Our salvation means our past, all of it, every single part and parcel is forgiven. Salvation means our present is redeemed. We don't have to live in bondage anymore. Sin has been defeated and we can live in victory. And our future is secure. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And it's not written with pencil. It's written with ink that can never be erased. And so as we celebrate communion today, let's remember, give thanks for our salvation. Now here's what we're going to do. 
I want you to bow your head with me. I want you to close your eyes. Our deacons are going to come on forward and, and prepare to serve the elements. But while they are coming forward and preparing to serve, here's what I want you to do. Bow your head, close your eyes. The Bible says that when we come to the Lord's table, we are to examine ourselves. We're to ask God to search us and see if there's sin in our life that we need to confess, that we need to repent of, that we need to turn from. And so with your head bowed, with your eyes closed, I just want you to take a moment. And I want you to begin to ask God, okay, search me, God. Know my heart. Show me anything in my life that's displeasing to you. And as we do this, and God shows us things, let's make sure that we repent and we turn from those things that are displeasing to him. So pray for just a moment. Okay, let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your body that was broken, your blood that was shed. We pray right now that as we celebrate communion, that we will give you thanks for all that your salvation has brought to us. Help us not to forget what you've done. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.